I'm going to preach out of Matthew 25. This is the story of the parable of the talents. Everybody knows this story. It's a bit like telling the story of the Titanic. You've got to try and somehow make it different so people won't go to sleep. Finding, found in faithfulness. If I can just buzz to the end of this story, the reason why I've chosen this story is because Jesus said, or the Master said, who represents God, at the back end of this story, well done, good and faithful. Everybody say faithful. Well done, good and faithful servants. So this is going to set you up. It starts off in verse 14. It says, and by the way, this is talking about the kingdom of heaven. There's two or three parables that Jesus tells one after the other, and he starts the first one, and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And he tells the parable. So the, this parable is packed with kingdom principles that if you can grab hold them and unlock them in your life, you'll get kingdom results. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. The very beginning step for the Christian who wants to be fruitful, who wants to move into breakthrough, who wants to have God consider them to be a faithful servant, is just that, they have to become a servant. When you become born again, you're not a servant. You're saved, but you're not yet a servant. You've got to learn how to serve. This is Some of these things I want to tell you tonight are sobering, but... I don't really care, to be honest, because my desire is to unlock the potential that's in you. I can give you something that's exciting, that'll tickle your ears, that'll be, you know, nice to listen to, but if it doesn't help you, what's the point? You've got to have things in your life that are going to help you. You've got to embrace truth that's going to set you free. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. A lot of people know about the truth, but there's a difference between knowing about the truth and really knowing the truth. When you know it, it it's part of you. you. You can't shake it free. Every, your, your thoughts, when you know the truth, your thoughts will just run to that place. It's like a default in a computer. You know, if your computer goes on the blink and you, and, you, and you shuts down or whatever, goes to a blue screen, and then you've got to boot it up and you lost all that stuff. Well, if you've got the truth in your heart, it's just there. It's hardwired. It's a factory reset. It's just there. And God's word is that truth. And we've got to get that truth deep down on the inside of us, people. Otherwise, we're just going to fluff around the edges. And we're not going to make a difference. This is going to unlock people here tonight. You've got to become a servant. You must be a servant. That means that, that being a servant means you've surrendered your agenda. You see, these people weren't playing around with their own money, as you're going to find out in this story. They were playing around with their master's money. They were serving their master. The minute you become a Christian, when you become born again, what you do, and this, and this is, I mentioned this this morning, this is something that I, I really want to unlock 
See, I want to, when, when people come forward to get saved on an altar call, I want to see their lives radically changed. I've sat in, in some of our, um, our, our strategy meetings in this church and, you know, where we talk about how to follow up people and sometimes we, you know, we have some, some critical analysis in that where, you know, we should do better, we should make more phone calls, we should try this, should be doing that and, and I'm into that and, you know, I think we're pretty good overall at all of these things. But there one day we were having this meeting with Nat and Hart and all the guys and I said, you know, I think sometimes we can be too hard on ourselves about all this because when I got saved, nobody followed me up. I just got on fire for God. Nobody gave me a text message. Man, I never even had a phone. You couldn't get me. I'd be driving around somewhere. Come on. I, I really, I'm really believing. Now, now I'm not making excuses for us not to... to to, you know, Jesus said you'll leave the 99 and go after the one. That's the priority. I'm hearing Pastor Rhonda right now. It's going all through her thoughts right now, what I'm saying. <laughs> so I'm not at all making an excuse for us to slacken off in that area. But what I'm saying is I'm believing and, 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 it, and, it, and it bothers me. There's got to be a reason why sometimes people come and receive Christ and they get on fire for God. And then there's other people that come forward and they go through all the motions and it doesn't really seem to change anything. Why is that? Maybe you're frustrated yourself. You might feel a bit like one of those people here tonight. And this is not to condemn you in any way. I'm stirring a fire on the inside. I want to give you some keys if you lean forward, which will break you through. Praise God. And I think sometimes people come and they have Jesus. They, they have, they're driving along in their car. I relate a lot of things to cars. They have, put, they have Jesus and they piece a spare tire in the boot. Jesus, come with me. You're coming with me now, Jesus. I've got Jesus with me now. This is cool. I come to church. I've got Jesus with me. He's in the boot. Open up, you can see. There's Jesus in the boot. He's coming with me. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He doesn't follow us. We follow him. I think that's, that's rule 101 when you give your heart to Christ is, sure, you want to receive forgiveness, sure, we all, we all want that, but we are, we are stepping, we have to be stepping, if we're at all serious about what we're doing, we are stepping into a mode of surrender where he's calling the shots, He's the master and we are the servants. I think that's one reason why people don't get the zing that they should get when they become born again. Because they haven't surrendered to him. Maybe when we call them to the front, we don't make it clear enough what they're getting themselves in for. Praise God. Because it's not easy. It's going to, following him is going to cost you everything you've got. But that's what makes it so awesome. If it was just an easy peasy, you know, she'd be right. Man, it wouldn't have any kick. And it would never satisfy you. I'm telling you, you're not going to be satisfied until you can go absolutely in over your head with this. Until you just throw yourself in the deep end, it's never going to work for you. That's what that pool in this stage is all about. It's called the baptism pool. It's when you immerse yourself into the things of God. 
like Ezekiel walking out into that river. It got up to his, up to his ankles, then it got up to his knees, then it got up to his waist. And then it got up to here and it was like a mighty river that he couldn't stand up in anymore. His feet couldn't touch the ground. Then the river was taking him. Instead of him being in control of the river, now the river's in control of him. That's what servanthood will do. And it never, like, I, one thing I started to do 10 years ago, which changed my life, is I started to pray like never before for a good couple of hours even each day, early in the morning. Back in Kevin 07, I started doing that, changed my life. I was in a crowd where I said that, and they were like, who, what's that? They were all like 18-year-olds, they didn't even know what that was. Changed my life. And after a few months, it took about three months, it's taken 10 years, by the way, now, but after three months, I started to feel a shift. It took three months before anything really happened. And then after that, it's like, boom, I just started to see things and I was like so excited. And, and God said to me, so, he said, so, you're going to keep doing this? And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess so. And he goes, for how long? And I stopped. And I thought, forever. For the rest of my life. For the rest of my life, my alarm's going, to, is preset give or take, you know, occasionally on a weekend, might slacken off, but it, it's a done deal. Because you're immersed. That's what, serv you see, servanthood is like that. It never disappears from your life. Jesus demonstrated that himself when right near the end of his ministry, right up close to when he was to the Passover meal, he washed his disciples' feet and insisted on doing so to demonstrate to them that you never go beyond this. It's not something you, that, you, that you kind of, what's the word, what do you call it when you pass or you, that you graduate in, and then, okay, well, I've done that, moving on to the next thing now, praise God. No, you never stop serving. You might serve different people along the way as God opens doors and leads you in certain directions, but you will never, never stop serving. And, I'm not quite there yet. We're not quite there. You've got to get this down on the inside of you people. It's like a pill that you just got to swallow. You ever have those pills? Just take that pill. Just, oh, don't, just take it. Just get it over with. Take it. And let it get deep down on here on the inside of you. And church is the place you do that. That's, that, that is just the, the ground for serving. I, I know I know, I know a couple of guys, but one guy in particular that comes to my mind, he's a guy back that I've known for years and years, back where I used to live years ago, and he, he, he seemed to fast track things. He was just blessed to always be around the right sort of people. He would be sort of hanging around all these important people, who seemed to be able to just get amongst the, the crowd, if you know what I'm saying, amongst the big leaders and different ones. And, and he had certain opportunities open up to him, but he never, ever learnt to serve. He never learnt to serve. Now, he's, he's three or four years younger than me, but he's looking to launch his ministry, so to speak, which he doesn't actually have, and he doesn't have any servanthood. He's like in kindergarten. Up here, he's like, you know, ready to go, but as far as God is concerned... This guy is like, he's at first grade. 
and, and it's impossible. You see, servanthood gets on the inside of you. It's just in there. So, so when, when you go places, people know that you've got it. It's like it's your foundation. You can lay the foundations of a home. Mick will know about it. You can lay the foundations of a home. If you put all the concrete in and you put re- reinforcement in that concrete to make, to make it strong so that if the ground shifts, the concrete will stay rigid and the house will be firm. But people want to, short, people want to shortcut this stuff. They want to skim over it. They want to quick, let's get the house up. I don't know this. This is boring, putting this foundation in. I'm telling you, it won't work. Jesus even said, it's like building on the sand. This guy's put his foundations down. There's no Rio in his foundation. He's starting to build this house and there's cracks here and there. He's actually going to have to. I don't know whether he will because I don't think he can. But he's actually going to have to tear it all down and start all over again. Because he didn't do the very first thing that every child of God must learn to do. And that is to serve. And I want to lay the same challenge here tonight that I gave to our morning crowd. This this crowd here, we can change this city. We can fill this church in a very short period of time. A very, very short period of time. We can change this city. We can impact this community. If we, as a group of people and as individuals, take these principles and just lock them down on the inside of us, We become truly surrendered to Christ where we're following him. He's not following us. We've made our deal. It's not negotiable. It's it's already like we've signed the blank check and given it to him. Fill in the amount, God. You can trust him to do that. Amen. Is this helping someone? Are you getting inspired and kind of thinking, hey, you know, I need to do this? This is my goal here tonight. You've got to put down your agenda. The Bible goes on, verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. Now, there's a misconception and an attitude that people often get along the way is they think that certain people have favoritism. Put your hand up if you've ever felt that way. Come on, put your hand up, everybody. We all, we all feel like that sometimes. Oh, yeah, well, they're in with this crowd, and because of this and that, that's why they got to do this and that, you know. And, oh, yeah, well, you you know, if I had the money, you know, I had those income streams that that person's got, gee, I'd be able to do a whole lot more too, you know. That'd be awesome, you know. I'd be able to, you know, if I I was uh, as well-connected as them, if I had those same sort of skill set, gosh, God could use. It's each according to his own ability. Often in the counseling room when we... I counsel people, it's very quick normally, but I counsel them, they come to me, I don't know why, I'm not a counsellor, it's called, I call myself get a life ministry, <laughs> they come to me and oh you know, I've had this and I've had that and maybe got abused as a child and I'm not making light of any of these things or a church has done the wrong thing by me and you know, I've been damaged in this situation and held back in some other and I'm like, so what? God's there for all of us. It says he's close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So I look at it this way. If someone's had a hard time, it's like God's close to them. 
It's a bit like swimmers that are swimming in a swimming pool, like Olympic swimmers. You know how the coach is walking along the lane and instead of yelling out to the other guy right over the other side, he's walking along the lane right beside this. Come on, you can make it. It's going to be okay. You're going to get through. That's what it's like. I'm telling you, it's the same for everyone. And you've got to stop thinking like that because that's wrong thinking. It'll hold you back because it's not true. This is how it is, is how the Bible says it is. It's the same, oh, but you don't know what I've been through. That's true, I don't. But let me tell you, you probably don't know what Jesus went through if you're talking like that. You just got to realize what Jesus went through. You see, the gospel fixes everything. I was thinking I was going crazy a while ago. I said, oh, just, all I do is preach the gospel. And God showed me in the book, in the book of Exodus when God fed supernaturally fed the people of Israel they ate the same food every day but it was fresh I'm telling you the gospel is like the same food every day but oh my you just don't get sick of it it is just like it's water to your soul what Jesus did on the cross if you can if you can get the just the power of the gospel on the inside of you you'll worship like Kathy does amen that's what makes you want to worship him that's what makes you want to rejoice. That's what makes you want to come to church every week. It's because of what he's done. And if we could just get that realization, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be saying, oh, well, this person's got that, and now I've got this, and I've, they just don't know me, and oh, I've had, had this happen and that go wrong, and the car got a flat tire on the way, and whatever. He's got you in his sights. He loves you. God so loved the world. And he especially loves his children. He loves even the unsaved, but how much more does he love us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all good things? It's on tap for every person. The reason why some people rise more than others, sometimes it's unknown, but other times it's because they just happen to tap in to these truths, and they actually apply them in their lives. I will extol the Lord at all times. The Bible's full of this. Here's, here's this get a life counseling scripture. I'll, I'll extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Come on, let's, let the afflicted are not going to be helped by sympathy, people. The afflicted get help when they draw alongside you when you're on fire for God. And they get happy because they start to rejoice in you. They take their mind off themselves and they look to you and then they look to Jesus and they think, well, this is not so bad after all. Maybe there is a future for me. Hallelujah. Is this helping? Praise God. To one he gave five talents. To another two. To another he gave one each according to his ability, their ability. Verse 16, he who had received the five talents went at once and traded them and he made five more. So he also who had the two talents made two talents more. But the one who received the one talent went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you, deliv you, you, you delivered to me these five talents. Here I have made five talents more. 
Once you become a servant and you start to get that down pat, remember you never ever finish with that, it's ongoing, but once you, once you get over that hump and you're in servant mode, the next thing, the next challenge is going to be a faith challenge. These guys were given these talents. Now, talents, were, that was, some people believe that the five-talent guy, it was millions of dollars. A talent, some, some things say it can be anywhere between $6,000 and $30,000 minimum, conservatively speaking. Some say it's much, much more than that. So these guys were given these talents. And it takes a step of faith to invest someone else's money. It wasn't given to them to keep, by the look of it, because it says when he came to settle accounts. Okay, so he came to, to take stock of the investment of what it had. And when, when the, we'll read on later, when the, when the last guy hid that money in the ground, the master said, you should have taken my money, my money, and put it on deposit so you get interest. So it's not clear that it was theirs to keep. It sort of looks like it wasn't. And so faith to actually step out and give that a go is the next challenge. How does that work? A couple of, well, a few years ago now, back in 1996, I went for a holiday to New Zealand, to the South Island. And as part of that holiday with two of my mates, we hired a motorhome and we hooned around everywhere. It was before I was married. And um, we went on a bungee jump at Queenstown, at Skipper's Canyon. You can throw it up there, guys. It's 70 meters up from the ground. That was, was a few years ago now. 70 meters up off the ground. And I am the first person of the entire group that is put up there. I have never been so scared in all my life. I sat down like this, sat down with my feet together, and they put this rug around, towel around here like this, and they also put it around this way. They put this seatbelt thing and winched it up, and, um, and they just hooked the, the bungee cord into this D-shackle. I said, there you go. And it took literally that long. I'm like, you, are you sure that's right? That, that's not going to come off now. No, no, no. Had my Doc Martin shoes on. It says how long ago it was. And um, I said, well, at least my boots won't come off because I knew they wouldn't come off. I said, it's not going to come off. No, you're right. Come on, off you go. I'll count you in. I'm like, oh. And I, I'm, my knuckles are white. I'm hanging onto that bridge. Five, four, three, two, one, jump. And I just, I just stood there like this. I'm like, oh, I'm not ready to jump yet. I'm not ready to jump at all, to be honest. Oh, I'm filled with fear. I have never known fear to this day that comes anywhere near the fear that came into my life at that moment. I've never been delivered from, maybe I should. Maybe, maybe there's something, maybe something in that. Anyway, there I am. And, and these Maori guys, they are starting to fire up. He says, come on, come on, you Aussie, let's go. So he's starting to have a shot at my national Australian pride. Come on, five, four, three, two, one. And I'm, I'm like, oh, I don't know, I can think I can do this. And then he didn't just have a shot at my national Australian pride. 
he had, a, he had another shot at my masculinity then. And so I had my other mates there, so it's like, what else have I got left? There's not much else to live for by then. I thought, I, I've got no... I've got no say in this. I've just got to do it. I've just got to do it. So we went five, four, three, and you had to jump. They wouldn't push you. Five, four, three, two, one, jump. And I'm still standing there. <laughs> but I let go by then, and I started to lean forward. That's all I knew how to do. I was supposed to dive. I can't dive. I'm not going to dive down there. <laughs> I started to lean forward. 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 And all of a sudden... All of a sudden, I'd gone too far back. I'd gone past the point of no return. All I could do, all I could do was lean forward. I did not have the capacity within me to jump. But faith's like that. If you start to lean in the direction where God's calling you, you start to lean into that place Sooner or later, and in my faith walk now, I'm still about where I am in that photo, you know, just off, just can't go back, it's too late now. (laughs) Haven't got all the way down there yet though. Still filled with fear some of the time. I was, at that moment, I was still petrified. Like, off the scale, beyond what you could ever, unless you've done this yourself, what you could ever imagine, just sheer terror. And I'm going all the way down, so I don't know if this thing's going to work. And I, and I get to the bottom, and it starts to go, and it was the smoothest descent. Like, as soon as it hit the bottom, it didn't jerk. It just, I was just going back up before I realized it was so smooth. And I got almost, it's so good, I got almost right back up, basically to where I started. I could almost grab the bridge. It was, I was so high. I'm thinking, good, because I'm not going to get ripped off now, because I know it works. It's like, man, this is the most awesome thing I've ever done. It changed. Like, I can't explain. It changed as as much fear that I was experiencing, like off the scale, it was so off the scale, the exhilaration was every bit as much off the scale as what the fear was. And that's what it's like in the kingdom of God. There's days where you're just going to have to press through, people. But I'm telling you, it's so worth it. It is so worth it. You just got to start to lean. You just got to start to go there. And, and I was, it was oh, so amazing. Straight after it was over, man, I, I couldn't because I wasn't allowed to, but I just wanted to get back and run up there and jump on it again. I could not think of anything I wanted to do more than that. And then about two hours later, I'm like, no way, I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> just, I don't know whether that's adrenaline or whatever it is, but it left. I'm like, forget it. I am never, and I'll say this to you, I am never going to do that again because that's too flippin' scary. But that's a little bit what faith's like, people. And these guys stepped out in faith. I don't think the master really cared that much. If I know God's heart, I don't think he was that worried about the result. Because he takes care of that. We do our part, he does his part. That's how You're not alone. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Faithfulness means you're prepared to just lean into that place where he's calling you. Some people find it hard to lean there because of 
perhaps background things or whatever, because fear has seized them. And fear can be broken off your life. You can be set free of that. Jesus said to Timothy, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And when you first step into following Jesus for the very first time, it's a little bit like that. I remember when I, um, when I first got saved, I can remember it. Like I've got a photographic memory of this event. It's like it happened yesterday in my mind. I can remember it detail for detail. I went along with a mate of mine, reluctantly, but to this youth church in Wodonga. It was a Pentecostal church. I'd never heard of a Pentecostal church. I didn't even know there was such a thing. I thought that must be one of those churches that brainwash you. I thought, well, my brain probably needs a good wash, <laughs> which it did. Anyway, he convinced me. He said, oh, there's lots of young girls in there, pretty girls, whatever, young adults. Let's go in. I thought, all right. So we went in. Mind you, they weren't interested in us, but they were too, too be worshipping God. We went into this youth church, and everybody, it was, it was really just in one of those seasons of, of kind of like a local revival in that church, if you like, where there was just such a high passion amongst the young people. The Holy Spirit would move in every single worship session. They'd play this certain song at one particular time. It was back when they had the, the, what are they, the chimes on the drums. Remember that? I wish they would bring them back. Where's Brad? We need chimes. Anyway, they have the chimes, and every time they hit the chimes in this one song, the Holy Spirit would just ripple right through. It was amazing. Could not believe it. It was incredible. Anyway, there was a preacher there one time, because I grew up in a, in, a, in a traditional church, and there was a preacher there one night after we'd gone two or three Saturday nights in a row. Well, that was pub night, but here we are in church, which was really weird. And, um, and he preached a message, and he, said, and he gave an altar call. He said, if your heart's not right before God, you need to come forward on this altar. You need to surrender your life to Him. I thought, well, I don't need to do that. I'm a Christian. But my heart, I was just, I was, my heart was in turmoil. It was, it was every which way but right. I had all these bondages in my life. I had all these insecurities. I had all these addictions going on in my life, things that were out of, I couldn't control, things that, that made me feel ashamed before God and even before other people. And, and eventually I said, God, I can't put up my hand because different ones were putting up their hand. Every head was bowed. I said, God, I can't put up my hand under my breath. And I said, will you help me put up my hand? And then before I realized, before I'd actually finished saying that prayer, my hand goes up. And he goes, and, and the guy goes, thank you. I see that. And I thought, oh, flip, he's seen me. <laughs> and, and then other people continued to, raised their hands, and then when they, when they was ready to draw to a close, he said, I want everybody to stand who's put up your hand. And as I stood to my feet, I knew nothing about spiritual things at that point in my life. I had no idea. I was totally illiterate as far as the things of the Spirit goes. But I literally felt like chains dropping off my shoulders as I stood to my feet. I could still feel the exact feeling today, know exactly what it felt like 27, 8 years ago, whenever it was, 1990. That was like a step of faith, stepping out. I want to ask everyone here tonight, as we draw to a close, just to bow your heads. I'm going to pray for people up the front here shortly as well, who want to have a breakthrough. I know there's people here tonight, you want to have a breakthrough. You've been going round and round circles, you want to come through. In a few minutes, we're going to, I'm going to have an altar call for that as well. But first of all, 
you might be here tonight and your life's not surrendered to Jesus Christ. Like you might know about the Bible, you might know about scriptures, you might, might have been to church. I was going to say your father might even be a pastor. All those things are, are not all that relevant. The important thing is, have you dedicated, surrendered your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he following you or are you following him? That's the important issue because until we settle that, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. Some people hang their hat on a fence. They get offended by something. Oh, that's my excuse. Other people hang their hat on pride and they say, oh, well, you know, what are people going to think? But there's got to come a moment of change in your life if you want things to change. If you want to break through, keeping on doing the same thing is not going to break you through. Sometimes the... The struggle has to become so unbearable that it's more unbearable than than the pride thing, that it overrules the pride thing. And out of desperation, we say, Jesus, I want to yield my life to you. Maybe you're a bit like that here tonight. Maybe you've once followed Christ, but you're not walking close to him and you know you should be because life's just going to spiral out of control if you're not. I want to save you the trouble. You can come right back to him here tonight. Maybe you're just not sure if you're going to go to heaven or not when you die. We're all going to die sometime. You've got to live with a purpose in mind. You can't just hope you're going to heaven. You've got to know you're going there. Once you know you're going there, you don't really care. Like, I'm ready to leave this planet now if I, if I had to. It wouldn't worry me a bit. I'm only here because of the call of God and my family. I wouldn't want to leave them on their own. But I'm ready to go. But I'm not finished. Amen. You've got to know that you're ready to go. When you're ready to go, you'll live like you're ready to go. You'll live a life of victory. You'll live a life that's worthwhile. It won't be just same old, same old. You'll live a supernatural life, a life that's worth living, a life where God's going to look at you and you're going to say, well done. I'm going to give you a whole bunch more great blessings and influence and and fruit's going to come your way. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, you need to surrender your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ here tonight. You need to become born again. You need to become wholehearted towards Him. Just shoot it up high, I'll see it. You can put it down. Who is there right now? You want to receive Him here tonight. You need to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just going to wait a moment because I... I feel like there's at least one or two, at least, here tonight. With every head bowed, please, every eye closed. It's personal for people. You've got to push through wherever you are. You've got to push through. Who is there here tonight that say, yes, Brett, pray for me. I'm, I'm, ready to, I'm ready to take that step. I haven't really done it properly in the past. I'm ready to do it right now here tonight. Who is there? Give me a wave if that's you here tonight. If that's you here tonight. I'm just waiting for a moment longer. I'm just waiting for a moment longer. Who is there? Is there anybody here tonight who would say, yes, I need to do that? Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. I'm telling you, if it's hard, that's good. It's going to work well for you. You can just put up your hand and say, Brett, pray for me. Who is there here tonight? 
Who is he? 